Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sports Forecast. Uh, it's been about a week since the last time I made a podcast. It's been wild and crazy. Uh, getting ready for the holidays, trying to get a house ready to move into. It's just been a little chaotic, but uh, figured I'd get on here tonight and kind of talk about what all took place last week. It was a uh, College football awards came out. Um, more free agents got signed. Um, unfortunately, uh, we lost one of the great coaches of college football. Mike Leach had a heart condition that got a got a hold of him, and uh, unfortunately, it took a great football mind away from everybody. Uh, a great coach. The creator of the air raid offense and just an all around great guy. So, uh, our thoughts are with his family, and uh, it's just a, a, an incredibly sad thing. So, uh, if you could keep his family in your thoughts, um, we also, you know, like I said, we had the college football awards. Um, Caleb Williams won the Heisman, which I figured he would. He had a great year. Um, my boy Dan, uh, not sorry, that's in a minute. My boy Stetson, at least, was invited to the Heisman ceremony. The guy had an amazing year as well. So, uh, but Caleb Williams took home the Heisman. He took on the Player of the Year. And let's see, was it one other thing he took home to? Uh. Nope, that wasn't. He didn't take anything else. So that's right. But uh, Max Duggan took on the Davy O'Brien Award, best quarterback, and he had a great, he had a great season. Um, Stetson Bennett got the Burlesworth Trophy, which goes to the best player who was once a walk-on. Um, which that's a guarantee. That kid has where he's come is amazing. Um. My man Kirby Smart got Coach of the Year. Um, from all for all accounts, I mean they not they got all these award winners correct. I mean all these players had amazing years. Jordan Hyatt, or not Jordan Jalen Hyatt, had a great year for Tennessee at wideout. He won the Bolitnikoff Award. Will Anderson is just a stud on defense. He always wins just whatever defense board is there. The kid's a, a monster. And then uh, who I thought should have been last year's John Mackey Award winner, but he was this year's, was Brock Bowers. I feel like he should be the two-time John Mackey Award winner. But he he got it this year, and I'm very happy for him. He had another great season. The guy is incredible, and he's just a sophomore, so... Georgia fans get him one more season before he has a chance to uh, head to the NFL. So it was awesome to see that. Um, Georgia also had some players make the All-American teams. We had Brock Bowers was on one. You had Jalen Carter and Chris Smith. They were on one. So Georgia had a good year all around as far as awards and getting the credit that they deserve so 
it was just a it was a good season. But I I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming Peach Bowl on the thirty first, and I'm seeing a lot of. Ohio State fans seem to think that there's no way we can contain them. I've always said, if you give Kirby Smart a length of time to scheme for an offense, his defensive mind will take over, and I do think we can shut them down. Um, I do think it's going to be a close game. Because you got the big matchup I'm ready to look at is Keely Ringo versus Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, granted, I mean, they're... It should be a good matchup. Keely Ringo's a big corner at 6'2". Marvin Harrison Jr. is a big wideout at 6'4". They should be going back and forth all night. Um, Georgia kind of had their top taken off in the SEC Championship. Gave up 502 passing yards. So, you know, that's a little worrisome. But, if you look at last year, Georgia went in and got their butts kicked in the SEC Championship and figured out what what they had going on, and they fixed it and came through and did work in the playoffs. So I think that Georgia will do the same here. Kirby Smart have a month, has, over, has had a month to prepare for this offense. I don't think we let Marvin Harrison Jr. beat us. Keely Ringo, I have a feeling, can play him man-to-man. And he's going to, but I also think that they'll have some kind of coverage where a safety will be close for over the top, to to help out over the top. Jackson Smith and Jigba's not going to play, so Marvin Harrison is their man at wideout. So I think I think he I think somebody else is going to have to beat us. They're going to have to have another wideout that beats us because he we're not going to let him free. UGA's D line versus OSU's all O line. I feel like it's a good one to watch. It's always, you know, the battle's always in the trenches. Every game's won or lost in the trenches, in my opinion. I was, I, I'm not a big guy. I didn't play offense or defensive line, but if O line can't keep a quarterback on his feet, passing game shot. So then, therefore, you know they're running the ball. Now you can shut it down. Def, our defensive line are are great at stopping the run. We haven't had as many sacks as I would have liked this year. Not as much pressure on the quarterback as years previous. But it's gotten better as the year went on. So I feel like we'll we'll be able to get some pressure on C.J. Stroud and we'll see what he can do with it. Um, I also am looking forward to seeing the, U- uh, the Bulldogs offensive line versus OU's D-line. OU has a couple studs over there on that D-line. And you and Georgia's line has just played great all year. Granted, Stetson kind of Stetson can scramble, and he's been in that offense long enough to where he knows where he's probably going to go with the ball when it snaps. So they have, so they haven't get up many sacks, but they were a finalist for the best O line in the nation, which I think they should have won. But I'm also biased. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of pressure OU gets or OSU gets on us and how well Stetson handles it. Because I feel like Georgia has a better DB core than Ohio State. So if we can give him time to pass, I think we can take the top off of that defense. 
I'm, like I said, I want to see what Stetson can do with his legs. See if he can scramble some, not give up. If it comes to a sack, scramble. Get a yard or get outside and throw it away. Can't take any sacks this week or the, the, during that game that week. And my number one key for us on offense is use our tight ends. Those Brock and Darnell are the, the best tight end room in the nation, obviously. You got one that's 6'7", 260 that can catch a ball, jump, hurdle players. Um, he also can block the guys a, a, a wall coming at people. And then Brock Bowers is just a unicorn. The guy does it all. So I, I truly believe that Georgia can come away with a win here. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be, you know, 38-31 or, you know, 35-28. Something, something close. I feel like Georgia can come away with it. I feel like in the first half, We'll have that. We'll have our defense ready, but you know, there's always that the hidden factor, what they're a hidden scheme that they're going to run that we haven't seen that much of. So in the first half, you're always just trying to you're playing, you're doing your your uh, assignments, reading your keys, you're doing that. But there's in the first half of a game is really when your defense sees, hey, here's how they're going to play it tonight. And then the second half, things start shutting it down. And I've always felt like since Kirby Smart has been at Georgia that our defense has always – they might bend, but they don't break in the first half. And in the second half, they really shut you down because they know what you're trying to bring. So, um, excited to see um, what happens there. That's the late game. That's the 8 o'clock game. Um, you got your early game, the Fiesta Bowl, TCU and Michigan – and the big question is, can TCU stop Michigan's run game? Nobody's really stopped it all year. TCU's not a great defense. Their defense really, really bends in the first half and then bends not as much in the second half so their defense can come back. Like they're they're off their defense is is not great. Offense is stellar, but defense is just not great. DeJon Edwards, the backup running back, uh, because Blake Corum is out. The the kid was a Heisman candidate. Had an unlucky break, got injured, and the season was done. But their backup quarterback has had 47 attempts in his last two games, and he has 401 yards with three TDs in two games, and that's their backup. That tells me, A, how well they have recruited at the running back position because your number one guy was a Heisman contender and was probably top two for a while, and he gets hurt, and you bring in a stud – that would that has 401 yards in two games with three TDs. That also tells me that that uh, offensive line for Michigan is is just a brick wall. They're going to steamroll people. So I don't. F- I feel like this one's not going to be as close because TCU they're going to have to not fall behind Michigan because they can't let Michigan get out and get a touchdown or a two touchdown lead on them. Because the way Michigan runs the ball and and they work the clock, they own the clock. They run the ball so well. But then in the Ohio State game, you know, everybody's keen on that run. They showed you they could take it over the top as well like they did on Ohio State's DB. So Michigan's a good team. I don't think this one's as close as uh, the Georgia-Ohio State game is. I feel like that Michigan's going to win this one. By at least two touchdowns, in my opinion. I don't see 
I don't see TCU's defense holding them long enough for their because it seems like their offense has to get warmed up like like a truck in the morning before work when it's cold outside. You got to warm it up, warm it up, warm it up. Now it's going to go. And I feel like that's TCU's offense. They play all right. They score once or twice in the first half, but with their defense not being as good as it as they need it to be. They get down, and now they got to really turn it on and hit that gas in the second half. And with Michigan's run game, I just don't see that happening. They're just going to have to have some big plays on Michigan, try to have a couple and kind of get Michigan down on themselves if they're going to have a chance. But I do think Michigan wins this by two game, or by two touchdowns. And I feel like it sets up a rematch of last year's Orange Bowl. But I will say, if it, if we get Georgia-Michigan in the national championship this year, I think Michigan's better this year than last year. So I don't, I don't think we will we would beat them as bad. I think we can beat them, but I don't think it'll be like last year where we kind of dominated them. Um, Georgia's good at stopping the run. Michigan likes to run, so that'd be very interesting to see. But. That's just my prediction. We still got to get through Ohio State. Now, I've seen a lot of Ohio State fans talking smack. Like, one guy had a list of Georgia players, which everybody knows. Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, Chris Smith, Malachi Starks. And he's like, I know about one of those guys. Like, And they're talking about how they watched LSU go for 502 yards. I'd be excited, too. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a whole different defense in that game. So... I would like to see Georgia-Michigan again have a rematch of the Orange Bowl and to see what happens because after the Orange Bowl last year, uh, the quarterback and the running back or a wide receiver for Michigan sat out there and watched Georgia celebrate. And I'm and pretty sure just recently he came out and kind of gave Georgia some bulletin board. Um, gave them some... Uh, Something to get fired up about. Of course, I'm obviously I'm at a loss of words now, but bulletin board material, that's what I was trying to say. Something that you look at every day when you come in to the locker room and it fires you up. So Ohio State and Michigan is giving Georgia that right now. So hopefully they'll take it and run with it and, you know, we can go back to back because that would be very – that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. So we'll see what happens. we got a lot of bowl games. They started this past weekend, a lot of – there's a ton of bowl games now, so it's hard to keep up with all of them. Friday, I'm going to kind of I'm gonna sit down throughout the week and kind of get a list up and kind of see who's played who, who's won what. You know, I mean, they've got these wild bowls now, so it's hard to keep up with all of them. Um, but that being said, I love it because I love college football. So the more bowls, the better. So I'll always, I'll definitely always sit down and watch them. But uh, the next thing I want to do is, we've had a lot of stuff going on in baseball recently. Uh, you know, Carlos Correa signed a big contract. Um, the Braves had, well, I know we all know the Dansby deal. I'm going to get to that one, but the Braves traded for Sean Murphy, an All-Star Gold Glove or a. Yeah, I think he was an all-star and a gold glove catcher. <sighs> we gave up Kyle Moeller, 
and William Contreras. There's a three-team deal between us, the Brewers, and the uh, A's. I'm not a fan of this trade. I've talked to people, and they're like, yeah, the kid's good, you know, but they're talking about his pop time from the time the ball hits his mitt to the time he gets the ball to second place and they or second base. And they said it's one of the best pop times in the league, which is well and good because as much as I like Travis Darno, the guy does not throw people out. So we needed that. But I think William Contreras could have brought that. Contreras is four years younger than this Sean Murphy kid, and he was an all-star last year as a DH. So he's he was coming into his own. He was a, I feel like he was about to take the starting role and let Darno be his backup and DH. And then when, on the days that he's off, he can DH. The kid could hit. So I feel like we kind of gave our franchise catcher away and a, and a good pitcher that was working his way up. So I'm not a big fan of that trade, to be honest with you. But I'm also not Alex Anthopoulos, so I don't get to make the decisions. Um, but the Dansby thing, that we all see that Dansby went to the Chicago Cubs, which I knew the Cubs were in play. His now wife plays up there. Uh, she plays soccer in Chicago. I kind of saw them in play, but all because the Braves didn't want to pay him what he wanted. The kids is, is a great shortstop. His batting, his batting average probably isn't as good as a lot of these big name shortstops. But there, you, there's nobody can tell me that Dansby doesn't have one of the best gloves at short in this in the MLB. The guy only made eight errors last season. He's only made sixty eight errors his entire career. The guy. Had a breakout season last year. He's gotten better and better every year. So I'm not sure why we didn't pay him. But he, Chicago paid him seven years, $177 million. So I hate to see him go. But, I, I you know, like all Braves fans, you know, we got to kind of, we got no option. He's gone now. So now we got to look at what did we get. Well, Von Grissom who we saw play some second base when Ozzy Albies went out last year. The kid can hit. The kid can field. And to hear Ron Washington talk about him, he raised about him and said the kid is unbelievable. So I was kind of reading up and looking into it. And what we lost with Dansby was a locker room guy. Dansby was one of us, if you live in the state of Georgia. He's from Georgia. He's always been a Braves fan. He grew up 10 minutes from the stadium like he loves to be here. But we lost a guy that we had seen pretty much when he got traded back here. When he got traded here from the Diamondbacks, we got to see him grow up and go through his lumps. And him, like Freddie, we just we learned to love the guy. We didn't want to see him go. But then you got to think about, all right, now that he's gone, what do we have left? And I got to look at him we have financial flexibility now because we didn't just pay out seven years 177 million dollars so we got some more financial flexibility because we need to shore up i think one more good pitching one more rotation pitcher one more starting pitcher maybe another 
I think our bullpen's pretty well locked down. I like our new closer, even since Kenley Jensen or yeah, Kenley Jansen has moved on to, I think it was Boston. We got the kid that we got from uh, Cleveland last year. Not Cleveland. I think it was Cleveland, but we got Iglesias. That kid's a stud. I like him as our closer. But we need to shore up left field. Rosario, I think, just had, you know, a good year. Uh, the year we won the World Series. But last year he was dealing with eye problems. So let's see what he does this year. But I still feel like we need to shore it up a little better. Because, you know, center field and right field are locked down for the foreseeable future. Let's get the same thing in left field. Because Ozuna's not it. We need to find a way to get out of Ozuna's contract and get him out of here. It's just one mistake after the other with him. And he doesn't hit enough home runs for some of those mistakes to be justified. Or looked past, I should say. None of them have been justified. But to look past them, like the... the I think they, it was a it was a reckless driving because I don't think he was full like he was a is a DUI, but I think it was a reckless driving. Um, and then the domestic violence that that was enough for me to just kind of end end his time in Atlanta. But that contract has saved him, and we're gonna pay him for a while unless we find a way to get out of it. But uh, so we have financial flexibility with Von Grissom. You got the age. Von Grissom is twenty one years old. Dansby's twenty eight. So the Cubs are going to pay Dansby till he's 35 years old. And around about that time is really, really before that time. If you played since you were 21, 22 in the pros, by the time you hit 35, that's 13, you know, 12, 13, 14 seasons, depending on your your body's going to be worn down. Good thing you can get, we have a universal DH now because by the time you hit 32, the way these kids are coming out of, high school and college and running their way right through minor league ball and coming in at 20 and 21 years old ready to play some ball in the pros people in their mid-30s are gonna be utility players or dh so we got age now we can kind of i've noticed with the braves you, we lock up our young players early before they get because we see the potential in them and before they get to where they're going to command 200 million a year I mean, $200 million contracts for, you know, 7, 10 years. We lock them in at 7 to 10 years for a more of a team-friendly contract like we did with uh, Michael Harris and Ozzy Albies and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Austin Riley, like, Austin Riley's was a big contract, but still another year of what he's doing and he hits free agency and that kid could command anything he wanted. So with Von Grissom, we got him young. We can lock him down for a while, and I guess that shores up our entire infield. Um, But then also the potential, like I said, Ron Washington has been raving about Von Grissom. So I guess the Braves were just kind of preparing in case Dansby left, working with Vaughn, because they knew that's who they were going to get if Dansby left. So Vaughn Grissom's been working with Ron Washington a lot during the offseason, and they said all Ron could do is just rave about how good this guy is. And his natural position was shortstop anyway. He just covered for Ozzy Albies for a while because Albies and Arcia were out, so we had to get somebody. And the kid stepped in and played a great, played a great second base, but he is naturally a shortstop. So I feel like... 
since the top four shortstop free agents are gone in Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa. Oh, crap. Who was that other one? Well, it doesn't matter now because he he's, he's signed. He's gone. So without them, don't go get a shortstop. Let's just stick with what we got now because I think the kid's good. I think he's got potential, and now he's got a chance to put it on uh, – to put it out there and let us all see it. So we'll find out. Um, another thing that's kind of grinding my gears a little bit is I've heard a lot of rumbling about a trade of Max Freed. Um, if they can't lock down, because we have him through 24, but they're talking about they can't lock down an extension and trading him. I think we're silly not to, not to re-sign him and have him the head of our the ace of our staff, you know, for another six, seven, ten years. Because the kid's still young. He's still mid-twenties. He's had He's been the 12th best pitcher in baseball since 2019. He's been top five in uh, Cy Young votes twice in that span of time. And he was a runner-up last year. He had he, had, he received a few MVP votes for the 2020 season. Three straight gold gloves and is the last pitcher to ever win a Silver Slugger Award. So, I don't see the big benefit in trading him. Um, yeah, he's going to command, you know, a 7-10 to year contract worth anywhere from $180-$200 million. Yeah, I see that. But it's also in Atlanta where people come to watch baseball and they love their Braves. So, you'll... You you can afford it, especially now that you didn't sign Dansby. You can afford to sign Max Freed, because everywhere I'm looking, I'm seeing you know three or four teams that they think we should trade him to if we can't lock him down. And talking about the Giants, the Angels, the Cardinals, the Yankees, but all we're getting back is nothing. But they're talking about selling the farm for Max Freed, so we're not getting any established players. And they're like, well, Mike Soroka will be back this year, a fully healthy offseason, and Kirby Yates is coming back. Mike Soroka has had two Achilles injuries, two tears. I'm not putting no faith. I'm not putting any faith in that Achilles till I see a lot of production. Yeah, you got Spencer Strider, who's a who's a stud. So right now we have Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, who had a down year last year, and we still signed him to another extension. Um, you got Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson, two young pitchers who had, who, uh, Kyle Wright had a great season last year. I think he led the MLB in wins. He had a great season. Ian Anderson had a down year after this great performance in the World Series, but I still think he's good. So we get a solid play. I honestly think we should get somebody for Charlie Morton. I don't think he's. I think he had a good season for us when we won the World Series, but I'm kind of – he didn't look great, and he continued to just look worse as the season goes on and then got rocked in the playoffs. So I think we got four good pitchers. I think Anderson's going to show people who he really is this year, so we need one more solid rotation guy. And if Mike Soroka comes back and he's not ready, which I hope he is, but I've got to see a lot out of him. Sign Max Fried and keep him. He's your ace. He can be your ace for a while. I look at him as, before I say this, I'm not comparing him because they had two different pitching styles and one's a Hall of Famer and he's not, and 
Freed's not there yet, but he's another good left-hander who likes to paint the corners, but he has this great curveball too. And he reminds me like of a of a a Tom Glavin. Tom Glavin used to like to paint that corner. He didn't have that curveball as good as Max Freed does. But it's a solid left-handed pitcher in your rotation, and I don't think we should get, let him walk. So I'm not showing much faith because the last two years we've let big-name players walk. And, you know, Matt – um, dang, I'm drawing a blank now. My bad. Matt Olson had a, uh, had a good season. He had a good season, but – I just think we lost. When you lose people like Dansby and Freddie, you lose more than just a stud ball player. You use the guy. You lose the guy that's a captain on the team. He tells. He can talk to people. He can lead people. People listen when they speak. The locker room listens when they speak. And that's what you lose when you lose somebody like that. So, Ozzy Albies, I know, will probably take the spot. The guy. The people love him. The players love him. I think he's now him and Austin Riley and. Acuna are pretty much our leaders now. You, of course, you've got Darno, who I think people will listen to as well. But it's just you lose more than just a player on the field. You lose the clubhouse guy when you get rid of people like Dansby and Freddie. So let's hope we made the right decision. Um, I believe Von Grissom can be good, but now he's got to show it. He's it, The stage is all his, all his now. So now we just sit back and wait and see, Braves fans. Uh no matter what, I'm still going to love my Braves. I can't wait to watch them play, but it just sucks when you see a guy lead that you feel like should have been here forever. So, um, I need my Braves to figure some stuff out. Anthopolis, uh, re-sign Max Free, do an extension. Now you got flexibility. Go get us a left fielder and a, a, um, another pitcher, because I don't trust... I think Mike is good. I don't trust that Achilles, so... Go get us a pitcher, too. I think I just read a minute ago that the Braves did sign an outfielder to a one-year deal. They said a veteran outfielder. I can't remember his name, so we're going to have to look into that. We'll talk more about that on Friday. And like I said, Friday we'll talk about some of these college football games that have been taking place, some of these wild and crazy bowl games. Um, Friday we're also going to get ready for Christmas is coming this weekend, so Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy Holidays. Hope everybody's well. Hope you have a wonderful time hanging out with family and friends and um, stay safe. So I hope everybody enjoys the rest of their week. I will see y'all on Friday. Love you all. Happy holidays. Thank you.